Welcome to Constructed Curiosity, a podcast that aims to expand your horizons and promote personal growth by exploring various topics and having conversations with extraordinary people. I'm your host, Casey Sprague. Thank you for joining me, and let's start the show. Hello, and welcome into Constructed Curiosity. My guest today is Zach Zumbiel. Zach, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Casey? You know, I can't complain. It looks like your weather is very nice down there in the Tampa area. It's awesome. Yeah, we're, um, we, we had a, a stint of no rain for a while, which is pretty unusual, but now we're starting to get into the summer where we get rain every afternoon, whether it be for 30 minutes or two hours, we can expect it. But my lawn's pretty happy about that, I'll tell you that. Yes, yeah, better than the wonderful drought conditions we got going on up here in Kentucky. I mean, we haven't had <laughs> rain in uh, probably a month, seems like. Yeah. Yeah, I miss it back up there. Um, for the listeners, Casey and I went to high school together, which is pretty cool. And um, this is the first time I've seen him since. So um, he was just telling me a little bit about his family. And and this is this is exciting. I'm I'm excited to be a part of the podcast. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a privilege that that you would think that I'd be um, uh, curi- uh, a, a curious guest and an interesting uh, a listen. So thank you for that. No, absolutely. And so for those of you who don't know Zach, he has a very he has a professional background a lot of us would love to be into. So he's gotten to work in the professional sports industry, and I won't talk too much about it because he's got all the knowledge we want to hear from him. But yeah, Zach's had a very just interesting career progression going to different organizations all across the country. So, Zach, I'll let you start wherever you want. Let's start at the beginning of wherever in life you want to go from. Sure. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people coming out of high school, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I think that there's this there's this notion that you're you're supposed to know, um, and it's okay not to. And I I went back and forth with a lot of things. I wanted to get in the educational side. Um, at one point in my life, I wanted to be a firefighter, um, and and there was just a you know very different realms of the perspective. So I. I went into um, college at Northern Kentucky University um, with a liberal arts degree, primarily just to um, learn about a lot of different fields and kind of figure out which one I wanted to base my career in. And um, always had a passion for sports, played baseball in high school, just always followed um, NFL and soccer and, 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 and basketball and all those other sports growing up. Just kind of just kind of loved it, loved to play, loved to be a part of it, loved to watch it. Um, and I applied for an internship with the Cincinnati Reds. Um, I believe it was my sophomore year of college. And just kind of a shot in the dark. I had no no sports experience. It was a ballpark operations internship. Um, meanwhile, at school, still trying to figure it out. Took some sports management classes. Um, sat through 10 minutes of an anatomy class. Realized it wasn't for me. Got out of it. Um, and then just started exploring kind of the educational route to be a teacher. Um, one day I was driving home um, later. It, it was it was towards the end of my sophomore year, going into my junior and uh, got a call from the Reds, ironically, and wanted me to come in for an interview and, you know, was so excited about it. Um, Try to prepare myself the best I could and ended up getting that internship, um, which expanded through two seasons. So it was ballpark operations. It was primarily um, overseeing a lot of the custodial staff, um, but also kind of handling just any um, any of the various issues that come up within the ballpark, whether it be um, fan issues, staff issues, um, leaks, concession stand issues. So um, something that I, you know, as a fan, you don't see that side of it. And so I got to explore a lot of stuff on, on that end. But um, so that kind of just took off with my career. You know, that led into um, other internships down the road. Um, I ended up graduating, still didn't really know what I wanted to do, knew I wanted to work in sports, but didn't have anything on my resume besides the Reds internship. So from there, I uh, was able to get my master's degree at University of Kentucky. Um, and I had a one of my one of my best friends um, had a connection for me. And I ended up being an academic advisor with the school, which helped pay for tuition, which was huge. So another field I never thought I'd be in academic advising, you know, I was uh, C's to get degrees type of kid growing up. And um, so here I am a- a- advising students on, you know, pre-med, um, pre, you know, uh, athletic training, stuff like that. I was their advisor to help them get through college and I was trained on it, but never thought I'd be in that position, which is really cool. Got to meet a lot of people, but from there, um, you know, took the sport leadership path and was able to 
um, developed more connections. Finally got my break in the NFL as a training camp assistant with the Bengals. At that time, they were at Georgetown College. Um, now, of course, they're in Cincinnati at the stadium. But um, so did that for a little bit. Just started applying for internships throughout um, and landed with the Buccaneers, ironically, in the community relations department. Um, took a leap of faith. It was unpaid and um, just trusted my gut and wanted to, wanted to you know, make the most of my situation and, and went down there. And it was a, an amazing opportunity. Um, was an intern there for a little bit uh, for a full season. After that, came back to Lexington, worked at a YMCA for a while, worked some summer camps, just still trying to grind away and, and find my next opportunity. Um, ended up back in Tampa for a training camp. Um, and then finally caught my first break um, with the Oakland A's and professional baseball. And that was my first full-time job. So now here I am a kid with not a lot of money. Um, didn't know anyone in California, aside from a couple people that we went to high school with Casey. And um, so they were my only friends and moved out there and just took a, took a chance. And it was, it was a scary decision, but probably the best that I could have made um, just because it led me to where I am. So did, Oakland A's for a season, wanted to get closer to home, worked at a company called USA Football, um, which is labeled as the NFL's nonprofit youth development organization in the events department. Um, met my now wife at USA Football, which was awesome. Um, so I was there in Indianapolis for four years. And then um, my same boss that I had when I was an intern with the Buccaneers called me about an open position um, in youth football in a community impact department. And I, I jumped at it and um, it worked out ironically uh, for my for my personal life too. my wife's from Florida. Um, this was always a place that we wanted to end up. And at that time we were we were still dating. Um, but, you know, shortly after the move, got engaged, just had our wedding in October, just got back from a honeymoon. And here I am on my going on my fifth season with the Buccaneers now. So um, quite the journey, you know, it's, uh, took me all over the, all over the country, which is really cool. Had a couple opportunities outside the country within those jobs. And, um, that's kind of, that's kind of my journey. That's, it's, uh, it was, took me a while to be become full time and, um, here I am. So I'm excited. I like to lose the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to expand. I didn't want to keep it too short. I, I could have gone longer, but there's, you know, those are the high high level details. <laughs> so let's go back to the time with the athletics and going to that big move. Because having moved across country, moved to different places in the world, it is it's a major decision to make. And what was going through your head at that point? Yeah, I mean a lot. Um, you know, one thing about um, about working in sports, and this is probably relative to other um, industries too, but I just speak of sports because it's what I know. Um, and if I ever if I ever give advice to people, it's, you know, just always, always take a risk and be willing to move. You know, it's, um, it's very rare that um, I've seen the instance literally twice in my entire life where someone wanted to work a specific job or wanted to work a job in their hometown or the town they grew up in. And you can probably get there eventually, but starting out, I mean, it's, it's nearly impossible. It just has to be right place, right time. So, um, you know, it, it was a lot. I, I, um, you know, I sought advice from a lot of family members, um, a lot of friends, and, you know, I always had the mentality that if things don't work out, you can always come back home, you know, and I didn't want to have the, the what if, you know, what if I didn't do it? And so that was, that was kind of it. I, you know, I sold a lot of stuff. I, at that time I had a, uh, I had a place in Lexington and I had a, a roommate, um, and he stayed at the, he stayed at the place. They got another, we got a sublease and stuff. So it was a lot going on in my personal life. And then um, I just, you know, I just took a leap of faith. Uh, honestly, I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know anyone in California besides the, the two people who graciously took me in. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I just, I just had the mentality that if I go and I hate it, at least I tried. And, um, you know, things always find a way of working out, but I wanted to give it a season. I wanted to, you know, give it a go always had a desire to kind of live in California at least spend the, you know, spend some time there. So I fulfilled that and checked that box. Um, but yeah, it was, it was tough, but I think in sports, you sometimes you just got to take a risk if you want to get to where you want to be. No, that's totally true. You know, if you just stay in a little safety bubble, you're not going to be able to expand to get to where you want to be. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I've, I've always just been kind of adventurous and, and always kind of wanted to had a desire to try new things and, and 
you know, see the world and explore new opportunities. And just, I think the, the biggest help for me was that knowing that there's always a place at home for you. There's always, you can always go back home. If you hit absolute rock bottom, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to have people in my corner to pick me up or to support me or take me in. So I think that was the driving factor of, of making my decision. So being out there in California, I know you got to probably go to some cool, you know, events or opportunities. What's one of your favorite memories from that time frame? Um, I came in at a really good time. So um, at that time, the Oakland A's were, um, they were really good. We had uh, the year that I, the one season I was there, we had seven all-stars, which was pretty awesome. Um, they had the, um, they had the best record in baseball going into the, going into the all-star break. Just a lot of really great things happening for the town and um, A's fans are passionate, you know, um, as of, you know, recent with the potential move to Las, uh, Las Vegas, you know, I, I feel for those fans. It's, you know, it's a very small town team. Um, Moneyball is one of my favorite movies. So I remember watching that on the plane flying out, which is cool, um, which is very real to the situation there, uh, which is nice to see. But, you know, the it was just a great time to be there. You know, anytime the team's winning, it's fun. Um, it's it was fun to learn a new thing at that. I was a, a special events assistant. So I remember and this is going to date me a little bit, but um one of my roles was to select national anthem singers. Um, and I have no singing background besides singing in the shower, but um, selecting national anthem singers um, and, and getting uh, people to throw out their first pitch, which was cool, whether it be a partner tie or community tie or local celebrity. Um, and I walked into my desk, Casey, and I remember I had a stack of CDs and my, I was supposed to go through them and put them in the like put them on my computer and listen to them. So like my first couple of weeks, all I did was listen to the national anthem. Some of them have videos with it and stuff, which is cool. Um, but that was, that was fun. That was kind of eye opening. And I'm like, man, this is, some of these are primetime games and they're going to be, um, they're going to be broadcasted nationally. And the singer is going to be selected by me, which is so funny to think about. Um, so it was, it was cool. It was just a good time to be there. All the, all the folks that I worked with were extremely nice and welcoming and, there was a lot of people that kind of had the same journey I had where they weren't from there. They moved from Iowa or New York or Pennsylvania or whatever the case may be. And it was cool to just kind of um, compare, contrast stories and backgrounds. And that's kind of when I knew I was going to be okay. Like um, California is the furthest you can get in the country from where I was at the time, where I am now. Um, and knowing that I could go that far and make it and have people support me um, that I just met was, was pretty cool. So um, yeah, I mean, we ended up losing in the in the um, wild card round, but one of my favorite memories was just being with all my coworkers at a local pub watching the game and just being so excited and having our Oakland A's chance going and um, you know just building like team camaraderie and, and stuff, especially so quickly was awesome. Yeah, that's with Moneyball. That's what they always do though is the first round exit. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> So I'd be curious, out of all of those people you listen to, is there anybody, you know, that we would know? Um, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. I know that I, I have seen that some, like, you follow some on social media and some of them are still singing anthems there. But um, off the top of my head, I can't, I can't really remember anyone that was, that was too famous. I do remember a story the year before I got there when Moneyball came out. Um, Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill were there to throw out the first pitch and they got to like the people that were in my role before me got to like escort them around and stuff and I was like man that would have been pretty cool but um, but but no um, I remember we tried and tried and tried as hard as we could to get Tom Hanks to come throw out a first pitch because he's a big ace fan but we could just never do it but that was like a personal goal for, my, goal for mine I was like man I'd be cool to have Tom Hanks here throw it out on like a Sunday night baseball game or playoff game or something like that, but it just didn't work out. But, um, but no, um, not that I can think of, but a lot of, a lot of really good singers, surprisingly, it was cool. And, and I never realized how, um, how deep the process is to, to vet folks to do it. And, um, the cool thing about baseball, um, from that standpoint is that you have 81 opportunities with all the home games. Football's a little different. Um, you, you only have, nine or 10 home games a year, including preseason. So it's a little more selective with about the same amount of, of um, audition tapes. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's a privilege to be selected. 
That's pretty awesome. It's a compact disc for those of you who don't know what CDs are. Or before you had your iPods and everything, you had to <laughs> listen to it on an actually to buy a disc and record things and burn it. It's our generation, that's what we did as teenagers. You know, the yeah. I had a few floppy discs in there too, believe it or not. Oh my gosh. I know. I remember uh, those. That was really old. <laughs> you bring that up, people have no idea what we're talking about at all. I know. <laughs> And my kids actually said, and I was like, What's, what is a CD? I'm like, it's this little, it's like a DVD, but you just listen to music. Well, why would you do that? Just listen to Alexa. We didn't have Alexa. I know. I, there's, I kind of, I'm 36, so I'll just throw it out there. I don't feel old. I don't think I look 36, but I get reminded on a daily basis when I'm around at work. And there's a lot of like really, really great up and coming um, people in the industry and they're early 20s or 23 24 and some of the things they talk about i'm like what the heck are you talking about like i'm i'm just so out of touch with it and um like the likes of like limewire and napster is how we used to get our music and if you bring those terms up to them they just look at you like you have three eyes and it's just it's pretty wild but um but yeah cds and floppy discs man that was that was the bulk of the entries which is pretty cool yeah. What always throws me off with the age difference thing is movie quotes. I'll drop a movie quote and people will look at me like, what? Like, what? How do you not know that? <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, that's funny. So been with Tampa three times, right? Yeah. Um, let me count. I've been to Tampa internship, two training camps. I had one training camp um, during the Raheem Morris days. And then I had another training camp when um, Greg Shiano was the head coach. And then came back for full time. So four times um, over a matter of five and a half seasons, because my internship season was, um, it was Jameis Winston. No, sorry. My internship season was Josh Freeman. I don't know if you remember Josh Freeman. Um, Kansas State, great. And then I had, um, I had a, Jameis when I was at both training camps and then my first full-time year was October the last season of Jameis rolling into the Tom Brady era so um I had gosh I haven't really sat and thought about it this is great I've four stints this will be my fifth and a half season we'll just round down so this will be my fifth season in the have Tom Brady come in makes life nice. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that was um that was surreal. Even to this day, it's uh it's hard to believe. I mean, it's just just the the culture, instant culture change. And it's not, I mean, Tampa always had a great culture, but just having someone like Brady, who in in my opinion is the greatest ever, um, not only athlete, but just teammate. I mean, you could just feel a difference in that building, which was so cool. And uh it happened over quarantine. Um, I had, I had a interesting quarantine. We, I was down here. My wife was still in Indi- my wife, current wife, or my wife now wasn't my wife at the time. Um, was still in Indianapolis, and uh, the company went full remote. Um, her family lives over near Daytona Beach, so we stayed over there. So we spent a hundred straight days with the in-laws, which was really, really awesome. Um, and I remember we saw like all these Tom Brady rumors, and I'm like, yeah, right. I'm like. He's not leaving New England. There's no way. And I remember I woke up one day and it was a reality and I was shocked and also really, really excited. And I like watched the press conference instantly got jerseys and just, you know, the excitement was through the roof. And then Gronk came and that was like double excitement. So it was, it was cool. Um, You know, and then we had, we had to deal with COVID during the football season, which was a very, very unique experience. Um, and we're still kind of feeling the aftermath of it a little bit, you know. Um, there's still there's still some talk about, like, things that we can do, things we can't do. We always have to bring it up whenever we do big community events, you know, just think of it as a stipulation, which is, which is so wild. It just adds another element into how you go about your day-to-day in and, and, and an already pretty, um, pretty intense field and line of work. You know, it's just another element that you have to overcome, which is nuts, but... Um, not to get off track, but yeah, uh, Brady was Brady was awesome. I mean, it was. I can't imagine. Um, I mean, I hopefully I have it, but I can't imagine a better stretch of three years of like excitement and fun in my sports career. Um, right now, hopefully we surpass it, but it was it was awesome. 
Did you actually have to interact with any of the players? Yeah, you know, um, kind of in sports, um, one of the things that, that you have to put aside is your fanhood, and I kind of learned that early on. So um, I've kind of trained my mind to look at them all as coworkers. Like they're, they're, they are there to do a job. I'm there to do a job. I really only, only interact when I have to or if it's passing in the hallway. Um, but we'll have players. Um, we have a, a really good group of guys um, on our com- that are involved in community and, and want to do community outreach. So we'll have a lot of players that will come and do various community events for us. And um, we have a player relations manager that, that handles a lot of the, a lot of the legwork on that. But um, you know, if it's an event that, that I'm running or someone else is running, you know, they'll rely on you to kind of fill in the, the athlete with the details and what they're going to do that day. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think there's always a, a level of player involvement. Um, I don't have direct player involvement. It's usually through someone else in our department to get them to our events, but, um, but it is there and it is present. Um, on a professional basis, which is cool. Um, but it's it's awesome. We're, we're really lucky in Tampa to have a group of guys that want to get out there in the community and want to do good things and, and that are passionate about various various elements. It's whether it be military, whether it be boys and girls clubs, whether it be Special Olympics, you know, we, we have an athlete that fits, fits the mold for all of those um, outreach initiatives, which is really cool. That's awesome. You gotta have those people involved in the community. But I am curious, early in your career, were you ever starstruck? Heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody is. I think that's, you know, that's one of the driving factors why people get into sports in the first place. Um, I mean, I remember my first my Bengals training camp, they got Terrell Owens, which is hard to believe. Um, and I remember seeing him was really cool because I I grew up a Cowboys fan. I was a uh kind of a fake fan just living in Kentucky, but I loved them because they were good. And I always looked up to like Emmett Smith and Aikman and Irvin and, and they were all great players. And just, you know, I was at the age where I just wanted to root for a team that was good because it was fun. So, um, you know, then like Tony Romo and Terrell, I mean, they were there at another point and it was just like, it was really cool to see him in person. Um, I would say that's probably the, the first time I got really starstruck. Um, was was at that training camp because it was kind of like my first my first big thing before any other like professional sports opportunities you know that wasn't that was my first one because with the reds i was just in the concourse the whole time i was never around i mean there were fans that had better seats than i did so it was um it wasn't much there but for training camp i mean it was i mean you're around them all the time and that's when like that's when you really test your will and you test your cool because People don't want to hire. I mean, people want to hire fans, but you know, people want to hire professionals too. So I think finding that finding that gray area of where you're you're still a fan of the sport, um, but you can keep your composure and keep your cool is highly, highly important. Especially when we're looking for like candidates to to get on get on our team. And um, I think I speak for most sports industry leaders that that's that's kind of an unspoken rule. Um, you know, it's keep your cool and it's okay to internally freak out, but don't, don't publicize it. But, um, but yeah, I think Terrell Owens, that was probably the first time I was really starstruck. And I remember I was, um, one of my jobs and you'll, you'll laugh at this story was to kind of run the the down marker during practice. And you had to listen. Cause it was like, you had to follow the ball and then you had, you had to change it from first down, second down, third down. And I remember I just like, dazed off in the space and kind of like, I remember what I was doing, but I like didn't hear what down it was or something. And Marvin Lewis yelled at me and it like scared the crap out of me. And he's like, it is fourth down, not third down. And I'm like, Oh geez. <laughs> oh, sorry. And I changed it. But I remember like you're on the sidelines and the players are there. And then there's like a timeout. And I remember I got the courage and Charles Owens was there. And I asked him, I said, well, I said like, welcome to, what I say? I think I said, like, welcome to Cincinnati. And he said, thanks. And I said, how do you like it so far? And he's like, well, we're in Kentucky. We're not in Ohio. And I was like, yeah, good point. And that was it. And that's all we said. <laughs> like, okay, sorry, my bad. But then at that point, I was like, okay, maybe I, you know, um, maybe they don't really care much to talk to me. And, you know, I just decided you just tr- treat them as coworkers and it's, it's worked out. So that was, I'll never forget that. I still like yeah, have nightmares of Marvin Lewis just screaming at me. And um, 
for listeners, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows Marvin Lewis, but I mean, one of the nicest like people I've ever been around and, you know, just the, he was in Cincinnati for, I think nine seasons, just an extremely well-liked coach. And um, I didn't think he had like yelling in him until then. And then I felt the wrath of it and never been the same since. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He'd have been a Cincinnati 03, 13, like 15 years. Yeah, see, even longer. I mean, it's a long time, but it's it was that was interesting. Those were hard days. I mean, it was hot. It was a lot of manual labor. It's just a ton of stuff. But and nothing against Georgetown, Kentucky, but it's also not the most glamorous place to have professional athletes. You're right. Yeah, we stayed in the dorms there, um, which was another experience because I my undergrad I lived at home, and then grad school I had like an offsite place with. Uh, with my friend and uh, I never lived in a dorm. So that was my first dorm experience. And it was, it was interesting. I mean, it was fine. I didn't complain, but yeah, it was, there wasn't a lot to do in, in downtime, just kind of hang out. Uh, that'd be interesting too. Your high school team played on the same field that the Bengals practicing on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was talking about I went to Georgetown a few times to see training camp. And I'm like, this, this is a very just weird to see professional athletes on such a small area. Like it's not big at all. It's a very small college. And yeah. Yeah, for sure. Another thing, we, we forgive Zach for being a Cowboys fan. For those of you who don't follow the Bengals, they were terrible from like 1991, <laughs> like 2005. So it's like the lost decade plus. So yeah, it's, it's forgivable to be a Cowboys fan when they're really good. And the Bengals couldn't win two games a year. Yeah, I'm just glad I switched. I mean, um, you know, I always had. I always had it. My brother-in-law had season tickets to the Bengals, so we would always go, and it was awesome. And I always rooted for him. But I always like, I always said Cowboys are my NFC team, Bengals are my AFC, and kind of went through that. But I'm glad I switched. You know, I didn't have any direct ties to them, and now you know, one cool thing about working in sports is that you do kind of have direct ties after you're an employee. So um, I'm bucks through and through, hundred um, percent. But I definitely. You know, when it when we're not affiliated, um, I like to see my my family and friends happy. My brother-in-law's biggest Bengals fan I've ever met in my life. So a Super Bowl for, for him would be pretty awesome. So um, always got a soft spot for them too. But Cowboys are not in my not in my fan realm anymore. So it has to be hard to be a fan when you work in that kind of industry. Yeah, like, that's what you you'll be a lifelong fan of somebody else and like, well never mind. I, you know, I actually have a personal connection we can talk about. So that makes it a big difference in twenty one where you're hoping to see a Bengals uh, Bucks Super Bowl. Yeah, I thought I thought we would get it a couple of years ago. Um, it's still, man, it was we were really close. But I think it would be really fun to see. I mean, I'm I'm always, you know, a Super Bowl is awesome. Um, I, I think that would be great to see. But yeah, everybody always asks who I root for, and I mean, I got to root for the Bucks. Why wouldn't I? You know, it's that's my huge part of my life. So, um, but yeah, I think I think that'd be really cool to see. Um, and, you know, just uh, like if we can't win it or Bengals can't win it, just to see teams that have never won it, um, you know, just to kind of experience that I think would be really cool, especially a lot of my a lot of my counterparts that have worked in the league for a very long time. Um, you know, it would be awesome to see some of them get to an experience a, a Super Bowl. So I always think about the business side of it, too. So working in the sports industry, what is something that you did not expect that's a normal part of the job? Um, I will say that, uh, I always heard rumors that it was, it was fast paced and, and like ever changing. Um, I didn't expect it to be this fast in this changing. And by that, I mean that, um, fast is that there's always, you always got to be re reactionary to everything. I mean, even if there's, even if there's something that happens on the football side, it'll trickle down and affect the community, whether it's like a player gets traded, we acquire another player. Um, so-and-so invested money in this charity. Like there's always a reactionary response to how things go. And it's 24 seven, basically. I mean, we don't really, we have nothing to do with the football side, but like the Brady news, we had to be so completely reactionary to that and basically like change a lot of our strategic planning. Um, to kind of revolve around him as like the team leader. So um, I never, you know, it's definitely not your typical nine to five. Um, there is an, there is 
quote unquote an off season and on season ironically for like our department now is our busy time. And then once season starts, it slows down a little more because player availability goes away because they have players day off on Tuesday, but we still do stuff in the community on weekends and this and that. But, you know, once um, we kind of focus heavily on our school programming, once they're back in school, but right now is the time, at least for me, um, for a lot of youth football picks up and they start kind of, getting into their leagues and, um, you know, looking out for different ways for us to support now. But, um, but yeah, I think just being very reactionary in the fast pace of it is something I didn't expect. Um, also a lot of job applications will say other duties is assigned and that is, um, couldn't be more the truth. I mean, there's a lot of things that I do, maybe not on my daily basis, but that I've done that I never expected would happen with this role. So, um, kind of going back to, one thing about sports that's really cool is that I think being the ultimate team player is such a great trait and quality, you know, just like embracing every opportunity, embracing everything that comes your way, always being willing and able to assist and help um, is huge. There's, I've, you know, did my toes a little bit in like the marketing side. I've um, been fortunate enough to write a few like press releases and, and, um, things like that, which I never thought I would do, and which, quite frankly, I didn't have a ton of experience in, but you just kind of learn. And um, so I think just being able to be adaptable um, and being fast and able to to move with the changes is extremely important. And that's something I never expected that I would that I would have to deal with. That's great insight. So what's your favorite part of the job? And this is so cliche, Casey, but every day is completely different. I mean, it really is. And it's cool. And it's just, you know, aside from like working in a in a pretty cool industry, I mean, there's experiences and new things that I learn and go through every day, which is awesome. Um, it's, you know, you have your, everybody has their calendar of what they're going to do. And that's kind of like your groundwork for the day. And just knowing that it's not going to go exactly that way. Um, and if it does, it's a pretty rare occasion. Um, it's exciting. You know, um, when I, when I'm going into work every day, you know, I, I don't, I kind of have an idea of what to expect, but I never really know what to expect. And there's always just things moving and shaking and changing. And then, you know, um, on the football side, I mean, you, you work hard during the week and then you get to look forward to going to a game and watching or watching a game from home and, just taking a bigger interest in in the games itself is cool. I mean, it's, you know, you feel like when the team wins that like, like you win, even though they could be playing in New York and I'm watching and they win. Like, I feel like I was a small part of that, which is really, really cool to feel. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's just the, the mystery of what each day has in store for you is, is pretty exciting. It definitely can't get mundane if everything's always up in the air. Yeah, it, it doesn't, you know, and sometimes we welcome those quiet days, but um, they don't happen a lot. But it's, you know, I think and speaking for the Bucks, I mean, I think they do a tremendous job of like um, employee recognition and giving people time off when they need it. And we were thankful um, to have a, a really a, a COO who has an extreme open door policy, who's always willing to help and um, just has a just has a huge heart and, and loves the fans and the organization that it makes it fun to work for. And um, we always get, they always give us like the 4th of July break off to kind of recharge the batteries. And they like ask you to not work and don't stay off your email and stuff. And they really respect your time um, to kind of check in with friends and family before the grind of training camp starts. And it's cool. Um, But yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's just uh, quite literally every day, every day is different. And um you know, for instance, I never thought I'd be on a podcast and especially with someone that that I grew up with, which is cool. And it's just, um, you know, it's exciting and, and new opportunities are cool and and I embrace them. So. So you mentioned the good feeling when the team wins. What was it like when they won the Super Bowl? Um, I always joke with my wife about this, too. We list like our top five days we've ever had and like wedding obviously is one. I think like Super Bowl is number two. Um, we. <laughs> Ours was unique because um, it was in our home stadium. So first team to ever win in their whole stadium. It was also a COVID year, so it was limited capacity, but um, the Buccaneers allowed us to bring a guest. So I brought my wife and it was just just um, incredible. Just like a feeling I never thought I'd feel, I never expected. And just like 
I mean, I know it's just sports and a lot of people will probably laugh at this, but it's, it was just like an unbelievable, just incredible. Just, it felt like one of those days where everything went right. Um, we, we were confident going in, we, you know, we're playing a really tough opponent. We also know that we have nothing to do with what happens in the game or on the field, but we felt like we did. And we, we wanted to convince ourselves that we did. And it was awesome. So that was, you know, that was the second best day of our lives <laughs> and then followed by like the boat parade was probably top five. And then like ring ceremony, like there's just so much that goes into it. And, and honestly, on the business side of it, it's the world takes an interest in your team and then they start taking an interest in more and your community programming and what you have to offer. And it's just, it's just all good stuff. You know, there's nothing bad, nothing bad that comes out of winning and, you know, it increases our, um, you know, more people are interested in coming to games and then it gives more community opportunities to invite organizations. And it's just, it's just cool. It's just, there's, I never realized the trickle down effect of positivity that it would have on everybody else um, outside of just winning a simple game. And um, so it was, it was awesome. We're still, you know, transitioning out of the Brady era now, but you know, everybody still talks about how cool that that season was and the stretch that we had with him and, and all the other great players. And it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an experience unlike any other and hopefully we'll get an opportunity to experience it again. So, I mean, yeah, winning it in front of the home crowd, I mean, I know it's supposed to be a neutral crowd, even though it's a Super Bowl, but there had to be a lot of Tampa people that were, what was the energy like in the stadium after the win? It was, it was awesome. You know, the only, the only thing I wish that we could have experienced is it in a non COVID year with a packed stadium, because they, if you remember, they had cardboard cutouts of people in the stands. So we had, um, I remember I, I was directly next to one of my coworkers. We had to have mask on the whole time, but then my wife was to my right. And then we had like five or six cardboard cutouts or empty seats. And then we had more fans. So it was cool. And the, the energy was as high and as positive as it could be given the circumstances that we were in. But um, I mean, it was like winning in your, in your hometown. It was just electric. I mean, we, we, immediately like went to the aquarium and had like an after party and like all this stuff that I think would be, wouldn't be feasible if you were, if you were not like in your home area and didn't have the connection, home connections you have and stuff. So it, it was pretty awesome. Um, but I can't imagine what it would be like to win in your home stadium with a full crowd. Um, because I know the Rams did it, but I don't remember if they were at a hundred percent, if they were allowed to have a hundred percent or not, but that was probably pretty electric, especially being a pretty new stadium. Um, but but the energy was it was unmatchable, and um, you know we had we had the majority of our staff there, and it was just cool to kind of all be together in that moment. That's awesome. So with all of your different experiences in the sports industry, you know, getting to move around, if someone was trying to aspire, I know you've given some advice already. What other advice would you give to somebody coming out of college and let's get some sports industry? Yeah, I think the number one is just being willing to like relocate and try new things and take risks. I mean, a lot of it, just go with your gut. If it feels like a right opportunity, go for it. Um, I also tell people, like, I know I, I didn't really know what I want to do exactly, um, but I know a lot of people coming out do, whether they want to be, they want to work in sports marketing or they want to work in commuter relations or they want to work in PR for sports or be a general manager those are all great, but I also tell people that if you get opportunities in other departments, you know, maybe take a look at it. It could be something, you, you know, don't limit yourself to just one specific area of expertise, um, because a lot of times we have a we have a, a, a woman on our team who's fantastic, and she was an intern in another department, and we hired her to ours. So just because she wasn't in our department originally, now she is, because we saw the hard work that she did on someone else's team in an organization. So... I think just getting your foot door is important. And then I always had the, I want to be the first one in last one out mentality. So I always wanted to be the first one there, last one out, do the best I could, best work I could do. Don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, no question is a dumb question and just be willing to kind of do the dirty work. Um, even now as a, as a manager, I have a staff of um, like 12 part-time black football coaches and, I'll never give them a task that I'm not willing to do myself. And I think that shows a lot about leadership is, um, you know, I, there's a lot of grunt work that goes into sports and 
even now and like my my boss and my mentor is a senior director and he's willing to get his hands dirty too no questions asked and that's like one thing i admire the most about him and other leaders in the industry um is just being willing to put in the work and you're always going to do stuff you don't want to do but if you do it with a smile and confidence then i think it, it shows a lot about people that are watching it makes a big difference and i mean leadership is one of the big things i talk about a lot the guests i have on and Everyone has a little bit of a different flavor. You know, you can kind of put them in buckets and try to do that if you want to. But if you don't embrace your own personality and put that into your leadership, you're not going to be very successful. So I mean, knowing who you are and what your personality is, I'd imagine it's very electric and people just want to be around. Thank you. Yeah, you know, and honestly, I'm I'm this way from people that I had mentor me and lead me. And, um, you know, I've seen – not everything works for the same person. So I think what uh, like a very underrated leadership quality is being able to reach different people on your team, um, what they react to, what they like, what they don't like, and kind of being able to, to level with them. Um, I'm also a big believer in it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So there's definitely a different way to ask someone politely to help you or ask someone politely to do this. Or I understand this is not a fun project. I understand this isn't part of your job, but it would be really, really helpful to myself and the team if you could do this instead of go do that. We need you to do this. So I think that the, your delivery, uh, your delivery means a lot. And I think people are going to be um, a lot more willing to kind of work and be more of a team player by the way that you express concerns and tasks that need to be done. So that's something that I try to I try to do all the time. Um, I'm also a big proponent and um, I'm, I don't micromanage. So I feel like people are hired for a reason. So I think that we wouldn't have hired you if you weren't capable of completing the task. So who am I to look over your shoulder and make sure you do it the way that I want to. Um, I like people to do things the way that they want to, knowing that they are capable of doing it and knowing that if they have a problem or issue, they're comfortable coming to me for it. So. That's worked out for me so far. Um, it's something I'm going to probably keep doing until it doesn't work. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that a laid back approach isn't always a bad thing. No, I mean, and I wouldn't even call that laid back. I call that you're going after a mature approach using your situational leadership ability. You know, because everybody's different. It's not a one size fits all like you talked about. And then also, you didn't go through the rough junior leader phase that I always like to call them. I've had to help people and then try to get them to a new position. Yes, you can make people do things because you're at whatever level, but are you going to be successful? Are you ever going to attain a good relationship with that person where they actually want to do the job for you? Because yeah, you can say, hey, go over there and do this. And they have to do it because you're their boss. But is that going to make them want to be part of the organization? Are they going to want to come to work? Are they going to take that extra step to be a better employee, coworker, you know, friend, whatever it is? Are they going to do, want to do that? And if you don't inspire them to want to do that, then yeah, they're it's going to be a bad relationship. They're probably not going to want to stick around. And micromanagement is another one of the junior leader issues that I always see is, you know, oh, i got to make sure it's done exactly right. And you, you hit the nail right on the head. You don't need to. That person was hired. If you want to make sure it's exactly done the way that you want it done, probably shouldn't hire them. You just need to do it yourself. Yeah, 100%. And it's – honestly, management can be hard. I mean, there's <clears> – <throat> People come from all different backgrounds and they've all had different experiences in the, in the business industry. And it's just, you know, figuring out how to get through to that person. Um, and I, I think that's just extremely tough to do. And a lot of it, you know, take a step back and maybe just try to develop a, a personal relationship with them, you know, find out what their interests are, find out something you have in common, roll on that. And then that'll lead into, you know, eventually, having more civil conversations, having more open dialogue, um, not being not being looked at as, I don't want to be looked at as someone's supervisor or boss. Like they might know that, but I want them to look at me as a coworker because that's how I look at everybody else. I don't, I know people are above me. I know people are below me, but I see everyone on an even playing field. And I think that that's the way that, I think that's a, a strong mentality that can help people be successful. Yeah, that shows great emotional intelligence. You know, you, you got to understand where you are, what the role is, and figure out what's worked really good for me is figuring out how to figure Jesus, now I'm stumbling. Motivation, understanding what motivates people. That's what's going to help you really reach them 
and give them to their full potential. And some people, you know, motivated by family stuff, motivated by money, want to do a job. You just have to figure out what drives that person and understand how to motivate them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty it's a it's a pretty underrated characteristic to have. Um, and I'm learning a lot every day about management and management styles. And a lot of it's not even, I mean, most of it's people management. I think, you know, I think 75, 80% of, of what I do in a management setting is just dealing with the person itself. It's not even the task. The task is just like a bonus to what they do. And it's, you know, I feel like if you deal with the person first, you figure out what makes them tick, you figure out what motivates them, then they're going to do those tasks to the best of their completion. And uh, that's that's just something I think is extremely important from a leadership standpoint. No, absolutely. And that's, you don't think about that when you get into a management role. You think, oh, I've got to make sure the project gets done or whatever mm-hmm. else. But no, it's really when you make sure the people who are doing the actual work can do their work successfully. 100%. So we talked about the Terrell Owens incident a little bit. We'll call it the infamous incident now. What other like odd or strange moments have you had? Um, Terrell, Terrell was nice. Let me get that sorted out. <laughs> I wouldn't call it odd or anything like that. He was he was he was fine. He was great. Um, I understand the situation. It was in the middle of practice. He didn't care about me. I get it. Um, you know what? I I've, I've never really had like an odd interaction or a rare or like a, a weird interaction with an athlete. Um, you know, again, I, I try to just keep it. It's not, it's not my job to interact with them. Um, only when they're like the circumstance arises, but I usually just try to keep my distance. Um, but <clears throat> I've never had, I've never had an odd interaction, but I will say what is cool is to just kind of see, sometimes you see like the human element of them. Um, you know, cause I'll see, I'll see a lot of people like athletes on TV and it's always like an interview or it's always clips from practice, but you never, a lot of times you don't really see the human side of them. And I think that's cool. And I always, I always forget that. I mean, a lot of these, I mean, our, our draft class, we just got, I mean, these guys are 21, 20, 21, 22 years old. And I forget how young they are, even though they're six, eight, two fifty stacks just like huge huge specimens of humans and i forget that they're like they're just kids and um you know that's kind of my favorite part of seeing that a lot of it um a lot of my favorite interactions are when they do come to 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 our community events and they interact with the kids and it's like i remember um for the sake of the podcast i'll leave the athlete name out of it but i remember at like some events that we've had we'll run football drills and we have like, as I mentioned, we have like a part-time five football coaching staff and they'll run drills. And there's a lot of times the players will come up and they'll be like, Oh, I did it. I used to do it this way when I was this age, like, can we do it this way? And I'm like, heck yeah. I was like, let's do it. And I forget that like they were, we're running drills for eight, nine, 10 year old kids. And I forget that they were in those same shoes. And it's just kind of cool to see, you know, I don't know them personally to see like their trajectory of, where they started, where they are now, um, and with the with the rate of how many people actually make that, it's cool that you still see their human side and their fun side of it. And just um, especially when they're they're doing events that they're passionate about, um, it's it's just it's cool to see. We have um, a salute to service nom- nominee every year, and we've nominated our center Ryan Jens in the past few years, and he's huge in the military and comes from a military background. And we'll do visits to um, like. McDill Air Force Base and just do a lot of like collaboration with military members and the way he lights up and how passionate he is about it is so cool to see. And that's, that's awesome to see with a lot of our athletes that are passionate about other organizations. And um, it's, that's probably my favorite um, like interactions to see. It's just like the human side of them, like typically no cameras, no press, you know, just you and your element doing your thing, having fun. Um, those are, those are the best moments. Uh, that's great. I'm glad, glad you have anything weird. I've had some people talk, tell me there's all like just strange things that have happened. So the fact that you have nothing but positive things, that's, that's great. Yeah. I, I've been lucky. I haven't had any, um, any weird encounters. Like I don't, I don't know if anybody like really has, you know, I think sometimes it's, 
it could be perceived as something different, but there's, we ask a lot of these athletes. I mean, I was nervous to jump on this podcast and it's just me and you. I mean, imagine some of these athletes that have to get up in front of press and answer questions they don't want to answer. And one wrong answer gets, goes out on, on social media and then gets turned sideways and manipulated and stuff. And like, that's such a risky and um, like important part to these, these athletes off the field is that they're under a microscope all the time. So I think a lot of these interactions that people may have that they perceive as negative, I mean, maybe the, the athlete's human, maybe they're just in a bad mood or maybe they didn't think they had a good practice or maybe there's something going on in their personal life that hasn't come to the surface yet. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that that could be perceived as negative, but in reality, that's just the human side of them trying to deal with it while also doing their job and dealing with all the spotlight. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've been lucky. I've never, um, I've never had a bad interaction with any athlete. Um, and most of the time when we, we ask them if they would like to do opportunities with us, um, they do. And if they don't, they usually have a good reason why they can't. And um, we've been lucky in that instance. That's great perspective. So we're coming closer to the end here, but I got a few random questions to ask you. Cool. Okay. Hit me. The first one, where do you see yourself in 10 years or where do you want to get? Man, I, this is my least favorite question because I never have a good answer. Um, and I'm going to give you your, your, I'm going to give you a cookie cutter statement. You're going to hate it. I, I, I truly don't know. Um, a lot of people answer and they're like, oh, I want to be. VP of sales at X company or this and that. And to be honest, like, I don't want to look too far in the future. I just want to enjoy the ride. I mean, I, if you would have asked me this 10 years ago when I was 16 or 26, you know, I just started my first job with the A's. So I have no idea. I mean, I could have told you, I want to stay in California or I could have told you, I want to move back to my hometown in Kentucky. Like I, I truly don't know. Um, just kind of enjoying the ride. You know, I, I like to put a good emphasis on just like self-improvement, you know, like try to learn something new every day, try to have at least like at least if not multiple, one really positive interaction with someone every day, try to reach out to someone you haven't talked to in a while, you know, every week or a couple of weeks, just stuff like that. I think, I think just doing that and kind of focusing on the day to day, the rest will play out. Um, I, I, uh, I don't know how to answer it. And I think it'd be funny if, if, and when the time comes, we look back on this in 10 years and then see where we both are at that point. But, you know, I'm, I'm more of just kind of like a day-to-day -day person, just take care of the task at hand, plan for the future, but not too far ahead and just kind of enjoy the ride. I think that's the best way to go. No, that's awesome because you don't know. That's the, 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 the older no, we get, <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen in one year, much less 10. That's, I always like to ask people either, you know, five or 10 years to see how much faith they have in that actually happening. Because, yeah, you don't know. I didn't expect to be in the industry I work in now. I didn't expect to be in the industry before that, you know, 10 years before that. Yeah. So it's just really how life works. And you're not, you can have the best plan laid out there. And then the world's going to be like, well, here's a different opportunity. You never expected. hundred percent. Yeah. Things always present, present themselves at times you don't expect, which is pretty awesome and exciting. But. I, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, hopefully, you know, hopefully we're just still doing good stuff in the community and, and grinding away and maybe a couple more Super Bowls. If I if you had to get an answer from me, that would be cool. But um, the, the real answer is I, I truly, truly do not know. Um, just living in the moment. Yeah, so you like to travel. We talked about that a little bit before we actually started recording. So where is the next place you want to go? You know, I, I don't have any, I don't have any next place. Um, and I know I'm not giving you answers that are really great, <laughs> but I, I don't have any, any next place. You know, my wife and I have talked about starting a family and, and being here. Um, we have, you know, I, I have, my family's in Kentucky. I have an aunt and uncle in Bradenton, which is about an hour, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a quick flight back home, which is nice. Um, she, we just have a, a, a new niece who is going to be two here soon. And, um, they live 10 minutes away. Her parents are, you know, three hours away. So it's, it's a good, good place to raise a family, good place to live. Um, like my job a lot, you know, um, love the mystery of it. Love the, the people I work with. 
Um, so I'm, I'm very content, very happy. Um, she has a great job in Tampa that she's enjoying. And um, so I, we don't have any, um, we don't have any intentions of, of going anywhere. Um, it would have to be a very, very unique and can't miss opportunity and circumstance for one of us, for us to consider going somewhere, I would think, but but I do miss home. I don't get home as much as I would like, Casey. And I, I, you know, I have a goal this year to get home four times and I've been home once. So I got some, I got some work to do. Um, but, but definitely, definitely love coming home and seeing friends and family. All right. So let's pivot off that a little bit. Let's say a leisure trip. Where do you want to go for like a vacation? Ooh. So I do have one planned. Um, my my brother-in-law, who is a tremendous golfer um, and very into it, he was lucky enough to get tickets to the Ryder Cup. So we're going to go to the Ryder Cup in Rome um, in September, which is going to be pretty awesome. The schedule worked out really well. We um we have a home game against the Eagles, and then I leave the next day, and then the week after that's our bye week, um, which is which is cool. So it worked out for me personally um, to go. So that's my next trip is Rome, um, but. Uh, that's funny you asked that because just coming back from our honeymoon, we we talked about like some bucket list places we wanted to go, and my wife's been all over the place. But um, we've thrown out the idea of Japan. We think Japan would be a pretty cool trip, so that would be something that um, would be a big trip to do. Um, a little more leisurely. I've always wanted to do like an Alaskan cruise. I thought that would be cool, something like that. But there's still some you know places I've I've never seen the. Um, a lot of places in like Arizona and I've never, you know, I've seen California a little bit. Um, you know, there's a lot of things within the States that we'd like to do too. Well, Japan lived there for a year and a half. It's awesome. You would love the baseball. It is a different experience than you can find in America. I mean, the closest thing I'd say is world cup soccer, like Japanese baseball, world cup soccer, because the stadiums are electric. Yeah, so if you go to Japan, just let me know. I'll give you some advice. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff. No, that that would be awesome because neither one of us has been. So we we would love to chat with someone that's that's been there. That'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely awesome place. So last question for you here, and this is one yep. I usually attribute to all the guests. And so you know, there's different ages that are pivotal points in your life, but the one I'm going to hone in on here is 14. So you're going to be leaving middle school, going into high school. If you could go back and talk to your 14 year old self, what would you say? Um, I would tell myself that the world is way bigger than high school and um, a lot of things that I used to stress about in high school, whether it be just like, I don't know, losing a baseball game or maybe I wasn't in, like there were other friends I wanted to hang out with and meet and stuff. You know, I think I would, I would love to just tell my little high school freshman self. And that's funny because I remember the exact outfit I wore walking in my first day of high school because I wanted to be like, trendy and cool and i wanted like the older kids to like me and didn't want to get picked on and i remember the same thing i was wearing and i was so nervous probably one of the most nervous i've ever been in my life because um the elementary and middle school i went to were connected they were in the same basically the same lot of land and um this was 10 minutes away but oh man it felt like we were driving across the country and it was just such a new world and you get other middle schools that come in to combine to make your high school class and just the pressure of wanting to be liked so much. Like I would just tell myself that none of that matters. Like just to, um, just to kind of relax and just enjoy the moment as it is, um, would have been really cool and, and not get up, get caught up in things that don't matter. But you know, it's hard when you're in high school. That's, that's what, that's your life at that point. That's what matters the most. And everything within those walls is like, you feel like it's going to make or break your, make or break your, your career or your life. And, um, it doesn't. So I, I would probably just tell myself to relax a little more, enjoy the moment and, um, you know, just take everything in stride and things will work yeah. out. That's great advice. And so I'm trying to do my oldest daughter's 10. So we're trying to tell her that kind of stuff. And you're like, it's going to be fine. This <laughs> isn't your entire life forever. It's just a very short amount of time. It's yeah. But uh, it's funny, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, Oh, my parents just don't understand. I'm pretty sure that's where she's at at this point. Oh, man, I'm prepared. Yeah, they just don't get it. Like, I remember I used to – my mom used to pack my lunch, and I remember I would get mad if it was, like, a sandwich I didn't want. And now I'm like, what kind of child were you? I mean, they're – God bless them. I mean, they, had to, they probably put 
put up with a lot of stuff from me, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you just, you have such a different perspective throughout your life. That's a great question. So any closing comments you want to make? No, thanks for having me. This is, this is the first podcast I've done. Um, it's pretty awesome. It's, it's good to see you and catch up a little bit. Um, you know, I, I'd like to chat with you a little more outside of a podcast setting to see how things are going or more about your kids and, and your family life there. And, um, and no, I, I appreciate you having me. Hopefully, hopefully I, um, I wasn't your worst guest and that you, uh, and that you enjoyed chatting. So I appreciate it. Uh, luckily, like you said, you've never had any awkward situations. I've never had a bad guest. Cool. That's good to know. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Constructive Curiosity. Constructive Curiosity is presented by SFC Consulting. For all your career coaching, project management, and leadership development needs, SFC Consulting has the insight to get it right. Visit sfcconsultingservices.com for more information.